Hello, Saubona, how's it, Molo, Jumbo, and welcome to the Every Nation podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. Uh, we've been doing a series called Old School Gospel, uh, whereby we've been looking at certain words and certain phrases that uh, are encapsulated in the gospel and have been, over the years, eroded or lose their meaning, because words lose their meaning and they lose significance and they become what we call cliche. But um, we just wanna, as we go through the series, we're just going back at those words and emphasizing the importance of them and actually having them as part of our lives and embracing them. Wayne started off with sacrifice, that um, the gospel requires us to sacrifice. Jesus says, if you love your life, you will, if you love your life, you'll lose it, but if you surrender your life, you will save it. So that there's certain parts that we need to let go in order for God to bring in the new, for us to receive the newness in, in us. Humility. Uh, that one slapped quite a lot. Enough said on that one. Let's move on. <laughs> authority. That God works with authority. That he is the authority. That he places um, people into different authorities, and our part is to honor that God-given authority at all the time in order for God to bless us and for him to have his hand on us. And today, I have a very interesting job on talking about morality, just the day after Durban, July. <laughs> I feel like I'm about to read, I feel like my job here is to bring out the book of Leviticus and start reading, <laughs> and just keep reading. If you do that, we'll take you to the edge of the city and we'll stone you. If you do that, we will not meet with you. If a goat does that, we will do that. And we'll, but my intention is not to do that. I'm really trying not to do that today. Before I start, I want your help with a little bit of a reading exercise. Are we ready? All right, cool. There's a reading exercise I want to do. Uh, A.V., would you mind showing me that first word? Okay. Please, can we all read this word? Okay. Into. Some people say into. Into. That's fine. A little bit over eager. Okay, the next one. It's not into Yami. Okay, but you guys said it was into, so now this is into Yami. <laughs> okay, the next one. It's all into. It's I-N-T-O. It sounds the same. It's literally like the same letter of words, same arrangement of letters, but the sound is different, depending on where you put it. I'd like to put it to you today that morality is just like that. That sometimes what people see and think, okay, this is what morality should be, is not necessarily what God puts it out to be is that, you know, we need to, like, reframe and rethink and reimagine this, the, 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 the thing called morality because immediately in a church setting, when I get up here and I want to talk about morality, the first thing that comes into mind is a list of rules and regulations that everybody should follow. That's into, or into. That's into. Let's talk about into today, all right? Uh, let's turn to the book of Daniel, chapter 3. 
Book of Daniel, not the rugby player, the prophet. Uh, it reads like this. So at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the horn, flute, harp, and lyre in symphony with all kinds of music, all the people, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the golden image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Therefore, at that, at that time, certain Chaldeans came, came forward and accused the Jews. They, they spoke and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and salt, salt here, um, and symphony with all kinds of musics sh shall fall down and worship the golden image. And, uh, and, when, oh, and whosoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have set over the, the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Langa would like to call him, and the bad nigger. Uh, these men, O king, <laughs> have not paid due regards to you. Have not, uh, they do not serve your gods, nor worship the image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, uh, gave the command to bring Meshach, Meshach, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, so they brought them, but they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and that other thing, in symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast, into the mist, cast, into the, uh, cast immediately into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hand. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O, Neb o Nebuchadnezzar, we, ha we have no need to answer you in, in this matter. If that, is the, if, if that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if, but if not... Let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. Amen. All right. Before we get into the scripture, I just want to give you a little bit of a geopolitical lesson today. Do you guys know a country called Turkmenistan? Okay, so somewhere in the Middle East between Russia and uh, all the other stands. There's this just like, there's this wave of stands there. Turkmenistan, like Afghanistan, you know, there. There's a country called Turkmenistan. And uh, they, uh, when they used to be part of the Soviet Union, and then when they broke off the Soviet Union, this guy called uh, Niazov uh, took over as president. So when Niazov took over as president, he had like certain fetishes, 
He really thought highly of himself to the extent that the press of the time, uh, it was legislated that if they were to refer to him, they should refer to him in this following manner. Excellent, uh, uh, excellent super muta, uh, te- Tekmambashi, te- president of Turkmenistan and chairperson of the cabinet of ministers. That's what he wanted them to refer to him as. He had another great fetish. He liked statues. So he put up statues in every city in the country, literally in every city in the country. When people asked him, why do you put up statues in every city in the country, his response was like, that people love me, they can't get enough of me. So I'll put myself in every place so they could see me. He loved statues so much that he even had a statue of his dog. You see how big that one is? That's his dog. And everyone else in the country is not allowed to have a dog because they, according to him, they smell and they create a bad odor. So his dog was like, yeah, he's the protector, the god of the country. He was so into himself that he actually wrote a book, a moral book for everyone to follow. Even made a statue of the book. So this book teaches everybody, and there was even a holiday celebrating this book. And before anyone could take their driver's license, they had to quote something from the book. And this book had phrases that taught people about morality, about life, about everything, this philosophy of being a true Turkmen, because he was the true, he was the father of the Turks, of the Turkmenistan people, of the Turkmen people. So... He built all of this thing around him. He even had made a a statue made of his mother. This is a statue of his mother and and, and himself as a child carrying the book that he wrote wrote as an adult. (laughs) Figure that one out. He changed the names of the country, the names of the month in Turkmenistan to the names of himself, his family members, and all of that. He changed the education system to what he thinks is appropriate for all of the people to learn because he is the Turkmenbashi, the father of Turkmenistan. What does this have to do with morality? You would may ask. Because, why am I telling you all of this? It's because morality stems from what you worship. It is an overflow of what you worship. So what Turkmenbashi and Nebuchadnezzar did was they changed the system of the country to create, this, uh, create idols of themselves, to set themselves up to a point that when people come, they need to bow, they need to worship. A couple of weeks ago, Wayne spoke about that worship is not about singing songs. It's about serving. So literally, you turn them to serve, they, they turn people to serve them, that they need to honor them, obey them. They even, you know, this one even wrote a book, made a statue of a book, created a holiday, so that whatever he does may become normal in the, in the country. That's how all dictatorships work, right? Is that 
everybody must be brainwashed into believing that the dictator is right and everybody else is wrong and the dictator must be quoted and must be obeyed because they are true, they're their father and all of that. So they become this idol that everybody needs to worship. Idolatry works in such a sense that it takes the, clay, it takes the things that God has given, the benefits of God, whether it be uh, fertility, whether it be wealth, whether it would be any sort of thing that God has given that is from God, and then it ascribes it to itself and forces other people to worship, to serve it. Like, for instance, you know, like in the movies, like actually in the, quite a lot of movies, mostly cartoons, right? You find these Pacific Islanders worshiping volcanoes because the volcano looks after us and the volcano brings harvest and brings all sorts of stuff to us. We must appease the volcano. Now, if the volcano gets mad and it's about to rumble and erupt, then a certain things must be done to appease the volcano. And then they must throw in people into the volcano. Because of idolatry, it has shaped the morality of those people. What, took, what, what this, uh, the president of Turkmenistan tried to do was to shape morality of the nation, to determine what is wrong and what is right. God is meant to be the one who determines morality. But if we have an idol, that idol will therefore determine our morality. Romans 1, verse, 20, uh, verse 25 says, uh, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the, 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 the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. When we exchange the truth about God for a lie, when we take what is supposed to be God, and we ascribe it to something else, and we worship that. That is idolatry. But we're sitting here in South Africa. Sun's, sun is nice. There's no dictatorship. We're not forced to do anything, right? Like, we're, we're good. We, if we want to go to church, we're going to go to church. If we don't want to go to church, we don't want to go to church. There's no one trying to indoctrinate us, even though people try, but we are South Africans. We are stubborn. And we hate statues, like, so much. We destroy and burn them down on a regular. We have a problem with statues. Nobody's going to put up an image and tell us to worship. But we even have a greater problem. We still have an idolatry problem. In all our liberty, in all our, in our modernness, we still have a very big idolatry problem. What is our biggest idol? Our biggest idol is self. King Mimi the first. That is our biggest idol. John says in First John two verse uh, John two verse sixteen it says, "For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life." All that there is in the world, if you take everything that is wrong with the world, you can break it down into those three categories. And if you notice, they are like, you know, we all have flesh, we have eyes, and we have desires and all of that. And that is why we struggle with idolatry, the desires of the flesh. We can create such interesting understandings and teachings around 
things that pleasure us so that we can get away with certain moral things. People are, are like literally can stand and talk about how monogamy is oppressive. It's oppressive, it's not, in hum it's not aligned with human nature. It's not like they even, even if they don't believe in evolution, they'll go down to Darwin and be like, it's, um, it, it's, it's evolutionary impossible for human beings to be monogamous because if you look at the apes and all of that, monogamy is not a thing. If you look at lions, there's one big lion and a whole lot of lionesses. That's how it's supposed to be. Because there's a certain idol at the center that must be appeased, so morality must be formed around that. We even, like, people make a certain rules, like, honestly, how can you say that uh, sex before marriage is wrong? You need to test it out. You need to dry run this marriage. Live together. See if it's going to work or not. If it doesn't work, then okay, that's not going to work out. But like, you can't commit yourself to something long term without checking it out. Even though stats say that if you've lived together before marriage, you've increased your chances of divorce. But we don't, we ignore that. And we embrace that one because it embraces the idol. Self. I was watching the news uh, over the past week, and a, a very heartbreaking thing happened in, the East, in East London, the whole Enyobeni Tavern story. And it was like all over the news, and people were making videos about it. And one of the things that I watched, and it almost broke my heart, I was watching this teenager talk about what happened. And she was like, so we were all there at the party having fun, and, um, and uh, then it was so full, and people couldn't get out because it's too full and other people are trying to get in. But then some of us tried to get out and leave because it was too full. And then someone said there are people dying inside. But some of us were so busy having fun, we didn't regard that because it was too fun. Like, and then you could see the facial expression on her face. It's like she was thinking about the fun of yesterday. It was so much. It was lit. <laughs> Never mind the consequences. If I die, I die. People died. 21 people died. They didn't all die at once, clearly. There was a word that, okay, people are dying outside. No one said, okay, stop the music. Something's wrong here. It was, let's continue. Why? Because we're here to have fun the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life. Neglecting the basic thing that everybody thinks about death is wrong, but like because we're in this, let's just forget about it. We're in a country where corruption is rife. It is bad. If we can all, if you can take a survey, get out and just speak to anyone, they'll tell you, what is wrong with this country? Corruption! They, they stole the money. They stole the, they stole the, the floods money. They stole the, the COVID money. They stole the pensioners money. They stole all the money. They stole this. There's a, there's a whole lot of money. But then you go to the traffic, and then you, you know, when you see, like, at a roadblock, 
all of a sudden, you know, we're paying cold drink. Home affairs, we're paying cold drink. Um, we're busy frauding people, frauding Sasa, and making, writing fraud certificates and getting other people and saying we have other children that we don't have so we can have more money. We're faking that we we're saying we're unemployed, but we're employed so we can get grants. We're writing all these other things and all these, but corruption is the problem. We're not aware that we have created this thing that feeds it. It feeds it. Someone once said, uh, like, said on the radio, like, a country's problem was once a community's problem. And a community's problem was once a family's problem. Because of this loose morals that we just like, you know, what is important to us? Soft life. Everybody's running after soft life. Do what you must to get that soft life. Secure the bag, honey, secure the bag. These days, all you need is this tiny little cell phone and, and an internet connection so that you can become a porn star and make more money than your average person makes in a day. And our reflections to that is like, it's not prostitution, it's just a couple of videos, so it's okay. Ignoring the effects of what that whole pornography industry is doing to human trafficking it's doing to people that are addicted to it. It's doing to your own self-image and your own self-worth. You really regard, disregard all of that because we got to secure the bag. There's an idol that we're looking after and it's called the pride of life. Miss me with the morals. And also like, I'm, I'm, I'm sure sometimes we can look at that and we'll be like, I'm not doing all, sort, all, all these things, right? Uh, we're all in church. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Jesus. <laughs> and we're all in church. And we're not out there. We're not out yesterday. If you're out, it's fine. <laughs> Honestly, it's fine. <laughs> and um, we're all in church. And we can look at these things and we look at the people out there and we're like, mm, them, the world's burning, it's so bad, it's really bad, and we want to keep here in a safe huddle, let's stay warm here. You know, sometimes even here in church, we can do the right things for the wrong reasons. We can still serve the pride of life, the lust of the eyes, and the lust of the flesh in here in church. A couple of years ago, we used to run this series uh, called re a relationship series. It varied. We have different topics. We had like all sorts of things. It's similar to what you girls were talking about, right? It's like different. There was this other thing that I didn't talk about it, disclaimer. Wayne spoke about it. <laughs> it wasn't me. It was called How to Find the Right One. Clearly, I'm not that great in that department, so <laughs> not qualified to talk about it. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and uh, like, in this, in, in, this, uh, in this talk, we would talk about, like, the, you know, 
certain advice that Wayne would give to help people find the right one. And after a couple of years, I remember this one specific conversation I've had with somebody who was very frustrated and they were upset. Among, uh, they felt like they need to represent the, like, the marginalized of the church whose voice was not heard because they had this real frustration. And the frustration was that it's not working. Like, you, the, 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 quote unquote, the church gives us these rules and when we try to apply them, like, I'm still single. <laughs> I have maintained sexual purity. I know my dis, I, I, I have a firm identity in Christ. I know my purpose and I'm walking towards it, amongst other things, but I'm still single. We need to change these things. And like, I had to just like step back a bit and be like, what up? There were not rules. No one said in this church, if you do that, you do that, you do that, you do that, then you're allowed to jola. Yeah. No one said that, no one has said that. Those things Wayne was talking about was that for the benefit of you as a person, as an individual, like in for you to get those things in place in order so that when you meet somebody, it doesn't become a train wreck. That was, but because in our minds, we so quick, we have this do reward thinking. I must do in order to be rewarded. And we take that to God and be like, God, I have maintained, I have not, I have not, porn is not my problem, this is that, this is that, therefore I deserve certain things. We come to a list with God and we petition him like, I deserve certain things. When you're doing those things, who are you serving ultimately? When the heart attitude is, I've done this, so therefore I deserve, you are no longer in the realm of serving God, you're in the realm of serving self. When we complain and grumble about the things that God has not done, it's no longer about God, it's about self. C.S. Lewis puts morality in this way. He says, when a ship finds itself in the, in, 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 in the middle of the sea, there are three questions that it must answer. How it keeps itself from being seaworthy, how not to bump into other ships, and finally, what is it doing there in the first place? How to keep itself seaworthy, how do you keep yourself from being a train wreck? How do you keep your life from not being a mess? How do you stop from affecting other people from becoming a mess? And ultimately, what is your purpose in life? That should be what our morality flows around and guides, guides us into getting that. Society has told us that morality is either about how to keep yourself from becoming a mess. I, I, I didn't die, I'm fine, I'm, it's okay. But your purpose doesn't really matter because we're living for the now. We're it's about an you know, high of euphoria of the now. And then, or it's about not, how, not to hurt anyone. I'm not hurting anybody. I'm not, it's not hurting anybody, I'm fine. But you're hurting yourself. And you're hurting your, pur you're hurting your purpose in which God has called you to. 
It's not a rules that we must keep. We can't make rules to guard a human heart. Honestly, we can't make rules to guard a human heart. The Bible's not like, the Bible has the law in it. But ultimately, what Jesus came to do is to fulfill the law. The law shows us how broken and how so much we can't meet the standard. And when Jesus comes, he did not come to say, yo, you're struggling, ne? Hey, guys, you can't be, hey, shame. It's bad. Well, good luck. Keep it up. All the best. We might see you in heaven, eh? Don't forget to RSVP. What Jesus came to do was he came to change our heart. We need to start seeing the gospel in the right way in order for this moral issue to be fixed. When Jesus landed, he, did, he said something. He said, it's not what comes into a man that makes them unclean. It's what comes out of the person that makes them unclean. So there's a certain thing here that needs to be fixed. In Isaiah, in Isaiah 20, uh, 29, verse 13, Isaiah uh, writes and says, And the Lord said, because these Oh, okay. That's not the one. I've skipped over that one. Sorry. Moving on. It's Ezekiel. Ezekiel 36, verse 26, it says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you, from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Now, there's, there's certain words there that I want us to highlight, exclamation mark, make them bold. The words are, I will, I will. God said, I will. He didn't say, make yourself righteous. He did not say, make yourself holy. He didn't say, work on your heart. Just try harder. Just do a little bit better. Attend more church services. Read a little bit more. We're back to that into into thing, right? Remember that? They look the same, but not necessarily the same. Try harder. No, it wasn't that. He says, I will. Ultimately, what God wanted to do and God, what God wants to do, he wants to remove the idol in our lives and impose themselves back into place as king. That all that we do aligns to, what he's, to, to his will, submits to his will, lives for his glory. That our morality may flow from that, that I live for the glory of God. I live to serve God. Let it be an overflow of that. There's this very cheesy movie that um, uh, everybody loves to hate. It's gone up to like, they're about to make a tenth one. It's called The Fast and the Furious. When it started, it started off as this, you know, like this thing about cars. And why do people like cars so much? You could have ultimately... The most simplest way to explain it is it's an essay about why people like cars. And at a point, uh, Vin Diesel has a speech where he says, I live my life, uh, I live my life a quarter mile at a time. In between those lights, I am free. That's what he lives for, for that experience of that quarter mile, for that freedom that he feels. For us as Christians, God is calling us to live 
for that burning bush experience, for that walking in the garden experience, for that baptism in the Jordan experience, for that Mount, the Mount of Transfiguration experience, ultimately for the eternal experience of being in one with the one truly and holy God. That's what, God, that's what should be our main purpose and our main aim. And if we do that, everything else will fall into place. The more we behold God, the more we become like Him. And for who He truly is. Because sometimes we think we're beholding God, but we're following human traditions and human laws. Back to that scripture that I missed. You know, like Isaiah says in, 20, in Isaiah 26, he says, these people draw near to me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips whilst their hearts are far from me. And their fear of me is in commandments, is, 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 is commandments taught by man. We need to move from a morality that is based on commandments to a morality that is based on conviction. Just like uh, the, the, three, the three Hebrew men where they said, we will not conform, we will not bow down. Even if we get thrown into the midst of the fire, we're not bowing down. They're away from home, everybody's bowing down. It became a thing. And they were like, we're not doing it. Because they had a revelation about who God is. They knew who God is. They knew what an idol was because they knew who God is. So therefore, they would not substitute true worship for an idol of, to the worship of God for the worship of an idol. They knew who God was, so they didn't want to conform or, or, or change their standards. And they stood there. Everybody looked at them. It would, if it was from human commandments, it would be like, ah, just bow now, repent later. <laughs> if it was from commandments, we'll find a loophole that says, technically, God wants us to be okay and all of that. And, you know, um, become all things to all men that you might save some. When in Rome, do what Roman do, Romans do. So let's just bow a little. It's fine because, you know, we can find loopholes around it. Instead of living from a conviction of, I have tasted and I have seen the glory of God and I am not turning back. I will not be shaken. We are living in such a, a, a perilous time in this world and in this country where we are throwing away moral values left, right, and center for the pursuit of a good life, for the pursuit of a soft life, for the pursuit of a comfortable life. As we are more than, more than now than ever as Christians, we need to have convictions about what God is calling, calling us to. Like a couple, I think two days ago, I was reading uh, the book of Acts. Uh, I think it's Acts 25, 26 to 29. No, 28. It ends at 28, not 29. And Paul was in a ship and he was going to Rome and he was sitting in the ship. Before the ship takes off, he tells everybody that, you know, God has said this, that we're all going to be okay and we'll go to Rome. They ignore him, but whatever. And then troubles comes. Problems strike. And everybody gets thrown into a panic. 
to a point that they were not eating. It was just miserable for 14 days. They didn't see the sun. They didn't see the moon. It was just miserable. And then Paul gets up and he speaks. And then now they listen to him. Now he's worthy of being listened to. After that whole Enyobeni incident, I don't know how many times people were starting to share clips of saying, take your children to church. How, how many times we're going back to that morality that we thought was archaic, was pointless, was for the 19 Donzamehlo ages ago. <laughs> and now we're moving back to it because there's a certain thing that there's an ancient fact that never changes. It's called the truth. No matter how advanced we get, no matter how enlightened we get, no matter how woke we get, no matter how socially conscious we get, the truth remains the truth. The human machine functions the same way it did in the Garden of Eden. It still functions the same way. Church, we're called to stand up, to be counted to be a city on a hill, to stand up so that people can see. They might make fun of you now, but Jesus said wisdom is proven right by its fruits. Just let it grow all together. At harvest time, you will see the wheat from the chaff. Let's not be eager to conform. Let's not be shaken and pulled back, back and forth and you know, feel like an outcast and all sorts of that. Remember, fix your eyes on the Lord. Fix your eyes on the prize. Who is, who is at the center? It is God. It's not the approval of man. It's not about the pride of life. It's not about what my neighbors are going to say, what my friends are going to say. Like, it's not, you know, we are more than our desires. We are more than our sexual instinct. We are more than our sexual preferences. We are called, we are made in the image of God, so therefore let us truly worship God and delight in Him. Can we all please stand? I'm going to read a portion of a quote from Abraham Lincoln. And uh, Abraham Lincoln was an American president. And... Uh, it was, he was a president of America in the midst of a, of a civil war in America. The North States were fighting the South States, Southern States, and the fight was about slavery, of whether slavery should ab be abolished or should be kept. And he's speaking from an American perspective, and he said, we have, we have been the recipients of the choice bounty of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity, we have grown in number, wealth, power, but we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the, the gracious hand which preserves us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have in vainly imagined in, our, uh, deceit, in, in, in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by our, our by some su supreme wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity 
of the, of the redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray to the God that made us. To some extent, we can agree with that. But to another, we can't relate because in South Africans, for some of us, we have not had quite a lot of success. We have not enjoyed prosperity. We feel like we have not enjoyed all of those things. But we have turned that whole thing to the other extreme where we have felt so much poverty that we have cast off God. We have felt so much pain that we feel like we need to take things into our own matter and we want to strike out on our own and we have forgotten God. And if you look at society out there, look at what it's producing. Look at the fruits and the outcomes of that. As, as, we, as we wrap up, I just, just want us to take a moment and look at ourselves. Question, who's on the throne? Are there idols that need to be cast down? Do we feel like we're self-sufficient? That there's no need for God in our lives. He's become a hashtag, amen. And for some of us, we might be feeling weary that we've been holding on to this hope and we're holding on to this truth and it looks like it's going out of fashion. That it's losing its currency. I just want us to remember that wisdom will be proven right by its fruit. Holy Spirit, Lord, we come before you. God, we just desperately in need of your grace. We humble ourselves, Lord God. Just humble ourselves, Lord God, and we know we can't do this on our own strength, Lord God. We don't have the, we're not smart enough, we're not, we're not able. If we're left to our own devices, we'd wreck our lives, wreck each other's lives, Lord God. And we submit it all to you, Lord Jesus. We humble before you and we submit to say, come have your way in us, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray for grace, Lord Jesus. I pray for strength, Lord God. Lord Jesus, to honor you in all that we do. To not throw away, Lord God, our moral values, Lord Jesus, for the things of this world. Jesus, to trust in you that in all, due, in all due course, Lord God, you'll make all things right in us, Lord God, that you will do right by us, Lord Jesus. We bless you, God, in your holy name I pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. For more messages like these and other resources, you can visit our website at endurban.org. Remember to subscribe to our podcast channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Be blessed.